Matthew chapter 7. We have spent the past couple weeks going to get right into it today. Amen. We spent the past couple weeks uh, being introduced to the person of the Holy Spirit. We've got to start there because uh, for a lot of people, the Holy Spirit is simply a concept, uh, a power, a presence, uh, an atmosphere. Uh, and, and, and you know that some people have just had some poor experiences uh, or maybe even the lack of experience with the lack of teaching, the lack of study. And um, so the, the purpose of this series, if you haven't gotten it so far, is we want to be introduced to the person of the Holy Spirit, not just the power and the presence and all the things that come along with that. Uh, you know, we said in our first week, nobody wants to be in a relationship with someone just based upon what they can do for them. You don't want to be in a relationship with someone that the only reason they're there is because of what you have to offer or what you can do. You want, to, you want them to be with you because of who you are. And I honestly believe that we will better value our relationship with the Holy Spirit if we learn who he is rather than just what he does. Okay? In fact, you'll come to find out, uh, even in your own life, you'll better understand what you can do when you know who you are. Identity is key. Identity has to come first. A lot of people struggle with identity because they only think about what am I supposed to do. They never really try to find out who am I. Who am I? Because who you are determines what you can do. And so we've got to discover the identity first. We've got to get to know somebody. And when we're studying the Holy Spirit, Jesus introduced him as a person. He didn't start with the power. We know the power comes. He didn't start with the presence. We know the presence comes. He started with who he is. And we saw, we've seen the last couple of weeks, Jesus said, I am going to the Father. Right? His stay here was temporary. But he said this, he said, it's advantageous, it's better for you. You will be better off without me, is what Jesus said. And I know, you know, for a lot of us and for a lot of time, uh, you know, as believers, we like to think about if Jesus were here, Jesus, the Son of God. And again, we know a lot about God, we know a lot about Jesus, but we haven't really gotten acquainted, taken the time to get to know the person that the Father sent to replace Jesus, to be his substitute. And he said, this person, he is another helper. He will be able to do and help you do everything that I've been doing for the last three and a half years. And you look at Jesus' ministry, you look at the, the things he did, the power he possessed, and, and, and the miracles and the signs and wonders that followed him. But then you also look at Jesus as a person and his character and his likeness and the way that he treated people. The way that he talked to people, the way that he cared for people. And that was all because of the power of who the Holy Spirit was. And everything that the Holy Spirit or everything that Jesus did, the Holy Spirit will do for us. And so I want to kind of shift gears today because hopefully over the last couple of weeks we've seen that there needs to be a reliance. There needs to be a dependency on the Holy Spirit. Christianity is just nothing without the Holy Spirit. And we, we have to really get to that level, that without the proper teaching on the Holy Spirit, without the proper power and the proper understanding of how the Holy Spirit works in our daily lives, we're, we're very limited. And the church, I don't believe, should be limited. I believe the church is limitless. I believe the church is powerful. But without the Holy Spirit, we miss the power that the Holy Spirit provides us. And so look here in Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7. Verse 15, 
verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. What's that mean? They look like something on the outside, but they're really something different on the inside. But inwardly, they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their what? Fruit. You will know them by their fruit. Now, let's just, let's just think naturally. Let's just break it down. You know, let's just get elementary here. Fruit is something that shows up on the outside of a tree. It hangs off the branch. It hangs off the plant. It hangs off the bush. You can see it. You know that an apple tree doesn't have to have a sign on it that says, I am an apple tree, for you to know that it's an apple tree. What tells you it's an apple tree? Apples, the fruit that is visibly shown on the outside. I don't have to go find the farmer that planted that tree and say, hey, what you put in here? What, what is this? What do we got growing here? No, I can just see it by the fruit. We don't have to communicate this. You know, as believers, it should be that visible that we're believers. You will know them by their fruit. Even though, and look, he's saying here, there are false prophets that they try to be something different on the outside, but they're really something different on the inside, but you will still know them by their fruit. So this tells me that they can be doing something and produce something different. They can do something that looks like they're an apple tree, but they're really an orange tree. I mean, you can hang a sign on an, app, on an orange tree all you want that says apple tree, but it's going to become very obvious somewhere down the road, this is not an apple tree. These are oranges. Right? I mean, is this simple enough? Is this elementary? just want to break it down. just want to understand. Because he says there will be false prophets. There will be those that claim to be one thing, but are really another. Okay, so let's keep going. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear Good fruit. Therefore, by their fruit, you will know them. We are known by our fruit. Now, I want to define fruit for you because fruit is simply this, your works. Fruit, refer, uh, fruit in the word refers to your works, your character, and your lifestyle. Fruit is not going around telling people you're a Christian and what church you go to. That's not defined. That's not fruit defined. Fruit is defined as your character. It's defined by your lifestyle. You can put it this way. Fruit is, 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 is what you produce with your life on a regular basis, not every now and then. Fruit is consistent. Fruit is consistent. It's always producing. It's always showing up. And regardless of what you call yourself, regardless of what you say, regardless of what you tell people, the fruit comes out. 
even though there's a false prophet who is a ravenous wolf, but in sheep's clothing, you will still be able to know they're still going to act like a wolf. They're still going to do wolf things and talk like a wolf and and talk behind your back like a wolf and cuss like a wolf and, and do things that wolves do. But they can be in sheep's clothing. They can wear the appearance of one thing, but still act like something else. Therefore, by their fruit, you will know them. Fruit on the outside is an indicator of what's being sown on the inside. Fruit on the outside is an indicator of what's being sown on the inside. Fruit on the outside. And and we're going to clearly see this. You might be saying, what does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. We're going we're gonna to paint a clear picture. We're going to go line upon line. I, I told you that this series was going to be a little more teachy uh, than preachy, so to speak, uh, because we've got to clearly define these things. The Holy Spirit doesn't need to be something that we can't put our finger on or can't really grasp what it is or how he operates or, or you know, what is the Holy Spirit? What does that mean to be moved by the Holy Spirit? What does that mean that the, 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 the presence of the Spirit is in What do those things mean? We've got to define it clearly. And so we're going to start with fruit. And this is Jesus speaking. That fruit on the outside is an indicator of what is sown on the inside. Let me tell you what does not determine the fruit. Your environment does not determine what fruit you bear. You can take an orange tree and put it in any field you want, and it will always produce oranges. <laughs> Being in church does not make does not cause you to bear fruit, bear good fruit. Calling yourself a Christian doesn't cause yourself to bear good fruit. Being around Christian believers. Now those things help, right? The type of soil that can help produce fruit. Being around believers rather than just sinners all the time is going to help you produce fruit. Get around people that will encourage you to do better, getting in church and getting the word inside of you so we can grow and be trained up, so we can go into the world, go into another environment, but those things don't determine the type of fruit that you bear. we got to see this. The only thing that determines the fruit is the seed. That's it. It's what's on the inside that determines what shows up on the outside. You can't change the outside by changing your surroundings. You change the outside by changing what goes in the in, goes on the inside. Now notice, and we'll get to this in just a minute, that I did not define fruit as signs and wonders and miracles and how well you operate in the spirit in church and and the lifting of your hands and how loud you sing and uh, even by how many areas you serve in in church. I, I didn't say fruit was defined by any of that. I said fruit is defined as your work your lifestyle, and your character. That's the fruit. That's the fruit that people are looking for. That's the fruit that people are eating. Have you ever noticed that fruit is not for the tree? Fruit is always given away. But see, when we simply define the Holy Spirit as someone that gives us gifts and empowerment and power, then we miss the real work of the Holy Spirit. We miss the real work, and we place value on the gifts rather than the fruit. 
see, gifts are obtained, but fruit is maintained. Fruit's got to be processed. Fruit's got to be developed. Fruit's, uh, you know, when you put the seed in the ground, you don't see it the next day. There's a process that's got to take place so the seed becomes fruit. So the seed becomes something that can give something away. And when we get good fruit coming out of us, when we get our character and our works and our lifestyle lined up with the word of God, you know how much of a blessing you are to people around you. And sometimes you don't even know it. You can just walk into a room. And it's not something super spiritual. I mean, just just be sad and get around a happy person and see if it doesn't mess you up a little bit. I mean, that's just a natural thing. If you're tired of being sad, get away from sad people. You know, a lot of times we are just a product of our environment. We're just a product of what we've been around. We just feel dull and and mopey and sad all the time. And we look around and we say, well, I'm just surrounded by people that are just always depressed. Never have anything good going on in their life. They never have anything positive to talk about. Well, just get around some positive and you'll start finding positive stuff. Just as a product of being around happy people. It works that way. And so our lifestyle, our character, and the works that we are producing on a regular, consistent basis, those are the fruit that people are looking for. Look at John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Jesus expounds a little more on bearing fruit. I'm going to start with verse 1. This is a popular passage. John chapter 15. By the way, these uh, th- today's message, these notes, these verses are available on our YouVersion app. If you're familiar with that, if you have an iPhone or a, a smartphone, I won't just say iPhone. I know there's other smartphones out there. A smartphone, smart device. Amen. It's out there. And uh, go ahead and, and share it on social media while you're there. Just while you're there, there's a little button underneath to say, hey, I'm listening to Pastor Mark's message today. Just let the whole world, let all your friends know you're in church this morning. You're being fed the word of God. Amen. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Jesus is speaking. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So it sounds like bearing fruit's pretty important. Sounds like... It's not just a recommendation, it's an obligation, right? He's not just saying, you know, if you feel like it, if you're able to pop out a couple fruit here and there, you know, go ahead and do that and see what you got. No, he's saying, if you don't bear fruit, my father takes it away. So, uh, and then he says, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Why? So that we can get more fruit. We want more of that stuff. We want to we want to continue growing. We want to continue developing in this thing. We don't want to just, uh, you know, bust out fruit on Monday and then don't have anything for the rest of the week. Well, I gave away all my fruit. I don't have anything else. No, he says he's going to prune it. He's going to he's going to take care of it. That might require some discipline. That might require some cutting away of some things. But it's only so you can produce more. It's only so you can continue to develop and grow. Amen. Verse three. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Now that word abide 
if someone says to you, hey, I'm going to come abide in your house, you're expecting a, a stay. You're not expecting a visit. This, we're not talking about visitations here. To abide means to stay, means to remain somewhere. Abiding in him and his words abiding in us. What's that mean? We've got to be connected to his source. You don't bear fruit unless you've been planted, unless you get connected to something, unless you have roots that get down in the soil and start drawing on something, start getting fed something. So why? So that we can start producing something. See, I mean, this just takes the whole, you know, just live a good life so we can get to heaven one day. This just removes all that. We're talking about getting connected to something so we can produce something that's giving away life in the earth. This is what we're talking about. Jesus, why, if we're just supposed to get to heaven, why would God and Jesus send somebody else down here with us? To hang out here with us. Just to go through the hurt and the pain and the suffering that the world has to offer? No. He's here to help us. We saw this. To teach us. To guide us. That means there must be something for us to learn while we're down here. There must be something we need to do that we need his help doing here on the earth. Otherwise, he would say, well, just do the best you can down there. I know we don't got much to offer you, but, you know, just do what you can down on the earth. But one day you're going to be up here in heaven with all of us. They didn't say that. He said, I'm going to send to you a helper because there's a purpose. There's a plan. There's a destiny for you in the earth. There's something you need to do. And we're going to send somebody to you that will live in you, abide with you. And help you do that. And so he says here, abide in me and I in you. Verse 4, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So what's that mean? That tells me there's something I need to be connected to that will determine the fruit that I bear. What's the source? What's the source? What's feeding me? What's, what's giving me life? What's giving me the nutrients so I can produce fruit that's worth giving away? I've got to be connected to something. If there's no root, there's no fruit. If there's no root, there's no fruit. If I'm not connected to something, I'm not producing anything. He says, you will not bear fruit in and of yourself. What's that mean? You won't be able to do the works and the things and, and have the character and the lifestyle that is necessary outside of being connected to something. Being connected to something that will help you produce that, that will feed that, that will develop that within you. So there's something we've got to be connected to. And then we keep going. Verse 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now look at verse 8. By this, my father is glorified that you bear 
much fruit. So you will be my disciples. So you will be my disciples. You will be identified as a follower of me by the fruit you bear. Not by telling people you follow me. By producing the fruit as a result of being connected to me. Amen. So again, we see that something on the inside is producing and and causing something to show up on the outside. The fruit is a result of what's going in. And he says, my father is glorified. See, the good works and and the fruit, the character, the lifestyle, it's not to glorify you. It's not to lift you up. It's to lift God up. They will point to the Father. They will see God through you when we're producing the right fruit. When we're producing fruit, God is glorified. Now, go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We've just seen two passages that reference the fact that the fruit that we bear, number one, we're supposed to bear fruit. Number two, what goes on the inside is what determines what shows up on the outside. So therefore, if we want to change what's on the outside, we need to change what's on the inside. And so look what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So let me just paint you a picture. Before you came into the kingdom, before you were saved, before you were born again, before salvation, prior to you accepting and making Jesus the Lord of your life, we had a nature on the inside of us that only was capable of producing bad fruit. So the way to change the fruit that's being produced is not to go out and get a sign that says, I bear good fruit. (laughs) It's not just to tell people. You have to change what's on the inside. And so at salvation, we know that this is speaking of salvation. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Why? Because new nature bears new fruit. If you want to change the fruit, if you want to change the works, if you want to change the lifestyle, you've got to start from the inside out. It's not the outside in. It's not, well, if I do enough good things, then I'll become new on the inside. No, it says you've got to change the stuff on the inside so you can produce something new on the outside. It all starts on the inside. The seed has to change before the fruit changes. And so if you want to change the fruit, you must change the seed. You know, I remember growing up and, you know, you you, you meet people that, you know, they're just nice people, man. They're they're good, generally nice people. And, you know, you, you ask yourself the question, you know, mostly as a young person. What? I mean, they're, they're, they're good. They're nice. You know, I, if I was God, I would let them into heaven. I mean, they, they do good things. They help people out. They don't just, you know, turn. They don't hurt people. They're not mean. But what's going on? We've got bad seeds. 
See, God looks beyond just the outside. He's looking to the inside. He doesn't just want you to be new on the outside. He doesn't want you to just be good on the outside. He wants to change all of you. Behold, old things have passed away. All things have become new. You want to change the fruit, you have to change your fruit. You have to change your fruit. We've got to start on the inside. Now, what does that mean on the inside? We are a three-part being. We are a three-part being. God is Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He created us in his image, Genesis chapter 1, in his likeness. And we have a three-part being. You are a spirit. I am talking to a bunch of spirits right now. Ooh, that's weird. You're a spirit. You're a spirit, man. On the inside of you is a spirit. See, this is why, you know, we, we, we say what we say about our children's ministry. They're not babysitting over there. They're not babysitting your children. You know, they're not just watching them so you can come over here and get a couple hours. I remember, uh, you know, we had, you know, as the church grows, you know, you just different things happening down in St. Augustine. We would literally have parents, like on a Wednesday night, drop off their kids and then go out to dinner. They thought that we were just giving them an opportunity to get away from their kids, like built-in daycare. I go to church, I get free daycare, I get free childcare. doesn't work that way. They're not just watching your children, and, and too bad you missed out on it, but your children got ministered to. No, I mean, they're, they're, just, they're just two. I mean, they, they don't even know how many fingers they have on their hands, and they don't even know colors yet. They have a spirit being on the inside. And I'm not ministering to their natural mind and their capacity to understand. I'm ministering to a spirit man on the inside. I remember uh, when we first started the church, some of you may remember, on, uh, in, in our services, we didn't offer elementary uh, parents. They would just sit in here with their parents. And although we loved ministering to children on a level that is relevant to them, where they can grasp it and understand it at their level, I don't devalue an opportunity for a child to sit in this service and hear me preach. Because ultimately, we're ministering to spirit beings. And we had some parents who said, well, you know, we just, you know, we started offering it on Sundays, but we didn't offer it on Wednesdays. We scale everything as we grow the church. And I remember speaking with a couple, uh, you know, about coming on Wednesday. They said, well, you know, I mean, we just, we, we just don't offer child care, and, and so, you know, we just keep them at home. I said, we offer child care. I do it. They sit in here with you, and I'm preaching to them just as much as I'm preaching to you. Why? There's a spirit man on the inside. It's not limited to your natural capacity. We've probably got degrees in here. We've probably got some graduates that have some some letters that follow their names in here. And then we probably have some people that, you know what, you may not even finish high school. You may not even gone all the way through. You may not have completed the thing. It doesn't matter. It's not determined by that. This word is only spiritually discerned. I know some people with some PhDs and all kinds of letters uh, coming after their name that they can't, can't comprehend one thing of this because they're not led by the Spirit. They try to understand it and discern it with their natural mind. Many of you know that we offer Kingdom Institute. That's our Bible school program that we do uh, every uh, Sunday evening. It's a three-year program. 
that you graduate from. And down in St. Augustine, when we first started, I mean, it's open to anybody that wants to pursue uh, ministry training and, and just growing and developing in the word further. And so we had a gentleman down in St. Augustine. It was our first year doing it. He didn't make it past the 10th grade. And he was in his 50s at least. And he was about three weeks in and ready to quit. And I was teaching. And he was, he was, he was like, I just can't do it. I don't even know how to take notes. I, I just, I can't keep up with you guys. I'm just ready to quit. I said, you realize that I'm not ministering to your brain in here. Sure, we've got some people that finished high school and went through college and maybe are still in college doing this thing. And they might be at an advantage to you when it comes to the natural stuff, but they're no at no advantage to you when it comes to understanding spiritual things. And you just need to rely on the Holy Spirit to open up the scripture to you because we're not ministering to brains and minds and, and natural capacity to learn and, and, and comprehend knowledge. We're ministering to your spirit. Ministering to your spirit. So you have a spirit being on the inside of you. You possess a soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. So you are a spirit. You possess a soul, a mind, your will, and your emotions. And you live in a body, a fleshly body that we all see. That's everybody. There's nobody that uh, is an exception to that. Everybody is a spirit being. You possess a soul, a mind your will, your emotions, and you live in an earthly body. And you need all three to function in the earth. You need all three to function in the earth. If your spirit quits, your body quits. If your body quits, your spirit leaves. Your spirit cannot be in the earth without a body. Period. And you got to have your, your mind and your will and your emotions, and that dictates what you're fed and what you produce. Why is it that some people can go to church and, 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 and be, you know, spiritual in that regard, but still produce bad fruit? It's because they haven't aligned their mind, their will, and their emotions. Your mind is the battlefield. Your mind is what determines, do I allow what's going in to be produced on the outside? It's the channel. And so we'll talk more about this, but I'm just kind of laying the foundation right now. If we want to change the fruit, we must change the seed. And so God changed you on the inside out. When you became born again, when you came down the altar and you prayed, you didn't turn around and have a different color hair. You didn't have different facial features. You didn't used to be short, but now you're tall. That's not the new life that they're speaking of. That's not the new creation. I heard one pastor say, if you were ugly when you came down, you were ugly when you went back. On the outside, nothing changes, but everything becomes new on the inside, which now will help me produce something different on the outside. God starts from the inside out. So go to Galatians chapter 5. Then leading up to this, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about who the Holy Spirit is. Now we're talking about what he helps us do. What he helps us do. So God changes us from the inside out. 
you've been made new on the inside, which helps us produce something new on the outside. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, says this, I say then, walk in the spirit. Now that word walk can be translated live. So he's saying live in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another. They will never agree. They will never agree. Well, I just, you know, I just want to do good things. You'll never want to do good things. You just have to shut down the flesh. See, coming into the kingdom actually creates a war. I, I, I taught a, a message last year, a series called The uh, Eternal Struggle. Coming into the kingdom, you know, yes, it's glorifying. Yes, uh, it, it, it's an awesome experience in, in being made new, being made a new creation. But you've just entered a battle. Because for the rest of your life, you will fight the battle of right and wrong, spirit and flesh. For the rest of your life, you will constantly have to put down the flesh. You never get to a point. See, a lot of times we think as Christians that we're fighting the devil. You're not fighting the devil. In fact, the Bible tells us the devil has no power over you. There's nothing the devil can do to you. Jesus whipped him, stripped him, defeated him on the cross. He made a mockery of him, made a scene of him. He has been so embarrassed. So the only thing the devil can use against you is yourself. The only thing he can do is hope that he can trick you into thinking that you're really still the old person you used to be. That's all he can do. That's why the mind is the battlefield. The devil can't touch you. He can't touch your home. He can't touch your family. He can't touch your finances. He can't touch your body. He can't touch your job. He can't touch your favor. He can't touch you, your emotions. He can only try to attack you in the mind and make you think you're not something you are. This is why identity is so huge. The only reason we are beaten and whipped and defeated in life is because we've allowed the enemy to make us think we're exactly what we're We've got to learn stuff. Coming into the kingdom is not just about getting to heaven. It's about living victoriously on this earth. What has God made available to me now that I am a citizen of his kingdom? And so he says here, walk in the spirit. You shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Your spirit is within you, has been made alive, so you don't fulfill the things you used to want to do. You used to want to hit that person back, but you don't. You used to want to cuss them right back out the way they cussed you out, but you don't. Why? Because the spirit has been made new inside of me and produces something new on the outside of me. But see, he's telling us, you walk, you live according to the spirit, which tells me I still have the opportunity to give into it if I so desire. If I let down my guard and allow my flesh to rise up and give in. And that just comes through growth and training and maturity. So we're going to walk in the spirit. Verse 18. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Well, we know that the Holy Spirit is our guide, right? Jesus said that. And so we're now seeing here 
that the Holy Spirit will lead us. He's our helper. He comes alongside us now to help us in life. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. What's that mean? There's fruit. We talked about fruit. It shows up on the outside. You can see it. It's obvious. It's apparent. The works of the flesh, the fruit of the flesh, is evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So if it's not listed there, anything that's like it, he just went ahead and covered all that. He's like, I'm getting tired of writing down all this evil stuff. If it's anything like that, it's in there too. <laughs> That's the fruit, the works of the flesh, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice, if you weren't here Wednesday night, you need to get the message. We talked about practicing. Those that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What's that mean? If that's the fruit that you're continually and consistently producing in your life, then you haven't given yourself over to the new nature that produces new fruit. But he goes on. We heard enough of the bad stuff, so let's look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. Now notice he said works of the flesh, fruit of the Spirit. They're interchangeable. It's interchangeable. Fruit is the works. So all those things that he listed and the like, those are the works. That is the fruit of the flesh. That means that there's some bad seed in there producing bad fruit. But now he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now look where he wraps up, verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. What's that mean? If you've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, then start living it on the outside. If you've got new seed, then let it produce new fruit. If you've got good seed going in, then it will produce good fruit on the outside. And guys, this is where our relationship with the Holy Spirit is so vital and so valuable. Because when the Holy Spirit comes alongside us, we get new fruit. Love and joy. Peace. Because, not because I started going to church. Not because I changed my environment. Not because I made new friends. Because I got my spirit man changed. Got a new creation, a new nature on the inside. And now I'm producing new fruit on the outside. Now I look different, talk different, act different, respond different. You know, it's not necessarily our actions that define us. Sometimes it's our reactions. Sometimes we're good when everything is going good. But how do we respond 
to evil? How do we respond in tough times? How do we respond to things? God doesn't just want to change your actions. He wants to change your reactions. And all of this is fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and he lives inside of us, and the primary thing he does is aligns our actions, aligns our character, and aligns our lifestyle with kingdom living. You may remember when Jesus was born and when Jesus died at the beginning of his life and at the end of his life, there were rulers over the territory. There was King Herod when he was born. There was uh, Pontius Pilate. He was the governor over that territory. So just to give you a little history lesson, what took place was the Roman Empire was growing and overtaking territory. The Roman Empire did something different than other kingdoms did. Most kingdoms would go into a territory, defeat them, bring back those people and make them slaves and bring them back to their nation. But the Roman Empire did something different. The Roman Empire would go into a territory or a nation, defeat them, and then take Roman culture and Roman citizens and Roman government and put it into that territory. So although Jesus was born into a Jewish territory, Judea, it was ruled by a Roman government. And Pontius Pilate, his role, his responsibility as governor of that territory was to make sure that the territory was becoming like Roman. They would teach them to talk like they did. They would teach them their history, their background, give them their literature. And ultimately, they were serving the Roman Empire. And this is what the Holy Spirit does to us. He is, in essence, the governor of the kingdom of God. And he comes into your life, and he's looking over your life, watching over your life, and making sure that you are producing a kingdom life now, not the worldly life you used to produce before. He's making sure that our words align with kingdom talk. He's making sure that our actions align with kingdom actions. He's making sure that our purpose and our destiny aligns with the destiny that the kingdom has for us now. The kingdom of God is a government. The kingdom of God is a rulership that comes to place. Jesus said this, you know, you're looking here and there for the kingdom. You say, where is it? And he says, the kingdom of God is within you. God's kingdom is within you. And the Holy Spirit comes into your life and says, all right, now we've got to align. You used to walk in hatred here, but we're going to operate in love. You used to be impatient. And couldn't wait on anything, but now you're going to become long-suffering with people. You're going to bear with people. You're going to have goodness and faithfulness. You used to be unfaithful. You used to not care what people thought about you, but now you'll be faithful to people. He's coming in and he's making sure that our character, our life, our fruit is kingdom fruit. If we want to change the fruit, We have to change the seed. Look at John chapter 20. If I ask most people, when did the Holy Spirit come upon the disciples? When were they first introduced to the Holy Spirit? Most of them will point to Acts chapter 2. 
And we'll talk about Acts chapter 2, but I want to talk about a different event. Because the Holy Spirit operates in two different ways, and we've neglected the first one. We've neglected the first one. John chapter 20, in verse 19, says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, this is after Jesus was crucified and he's been resurrected, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. As the Father has sent me, what the Father has sent me to do, I'm sending you to do. Now look what he does. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Your first encounter with the Holy Spirit takes place at salvation. This is where we believe that the disciples became believers or Christians or came into the kingdom as a result of Jesus dying on the cross and rising again. I mean, when do you ever see Peter, James, and John praying the prayer of salvation? We don't have that account. But just as God breathed into man and created life in Genesis chapter 2, now Jesus, the Son of God, is breathing into the disciples and saying, Receive you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is necessary to live kingdom living. It's necessary. And when you receive the Holy Spirit for the first time, is at the point of salvation. The Holy Spirit comes as a result of you making Jesus the Lord of your life, and the Holy Spirit shows up and says, all right, now I'm going to help you live like Jesus is the Lord of your life. Now I'm going to help you live the kingdom life that you have taken on now. Your actions, your words, your thoughts will align with the kingdom of God now. And this, this is where we receive the fruit of the Spirit. This is where we're changed on the inside, so now we can produce something different on the outside. This is their encounter. So look over at Matthew chapter 7. Let's go back there. We started there, but we're not done there. Jesus said that there will be wolves that come, show up in sheep's clothing. They'll look like sheep, but they'll act like wolves. No matter what you put on the outside, no matter what you call yourself, no matter what you say about yourself, no matter what you tell people. Come on, we've all been around those people. (laughs) We've all worked with them. We've all, uh, you know, maybe they're in our family. They're churchgoers. But they don't quite live and produce the kingdom life. There's just something that's not aligning. They're in the environment, but they haven't changed the seed. They haven't got good seed on the inside. And so we just saw in verses 15 
uh, down through 20, we know that they, we will know them by their fruit. And so look at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father. So what's he saying? Just because you say it doesn't mean you do it. Just because you say, Lord, Lord, doesn't mean you're doing the will of the Father in heaven. Verse 22, many will say to me in that day, many, a lot. He doesn't say there's a few. There's a few people out there that, you know, they'll call me Lord, Lord, and they'll tell me what they did. He says many, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. Now, we will talk about those three things because Jesus gave his disciples and gave us power in Mark chapter 16 to do all three of those things. To prophesy in his name, to cast out demons, to have power over darkness, have power over evil, and to do many wonders, miracles, signs. In his name. But look at verse 23. And I will declare to them. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that you did all those things in my name. It's awesome to have you come into my kingdom. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Is that what your Bible says? Not what my Bible says. It says, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who, there's that word again, practice lawlessness. You who consistently bear bad fruit. Your actions, your lifestyle, and your character, your works, do not line up with the kingdom. He's talking about wolves that are in sheep's clothing, that do the prophecies, do the signs, do the wonders, do the casting out, do the, the miracles. But he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This is it, guys. The fruit that we're looking for is not the gifts, not the power, it's not how, how well you operate in the spirit and service. It's not how much of the Bible you know. It's not how much church you go to. It's not how many signs and wonders. You know, a lot of times the, the, the sign and the wonder isn't even for you anyway. It's for somebody else. So God is blessing somebody else even though the vessel is tainted. That's how merciful and gracious God is. That he's not going to forsake someone on the account of you not getting it right. All those things aren't free. Yet they listed all those things. And Jesus is going to respond. He's going to say, but that's not the fruit. That's not fruit. The fruit that I'm looking for is, how did you treat people? The fruit I'm looking for is, what did you talk about? The fruit I'm looking for is, did you make me the Lord of your life? And when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, we're talking about the love 
and the joy and the peace and the patience, those are all byproducts of knowing the person of the Holy Spirit. And we can't value and, and, and look for all the signs and all the wonders and all the empowering, and those things will take place. Because Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 are there, and we'll get to those. But first, we've got to cover being Christian, not just talking about it and acting like it. Being somebody. Not being a wolf in sheep's clothing. Not carrying a sign around that says, I'm an apple tree when really I'm something different. But producing that which has been put inside of me. This is what's important. This is what's valuable. This is the fruit of the kingdom of God. This is the fruit of the Spirit. We've got to identify this. We have to identify that the Holy Spirit has been given to us to benefit our lives and to cause us to produce something different than we did before. You know, the signs and the wonders, the the miracles, that's all showing power over the enemy. But the Holy Spirit initially was not given to give you power over the devil. The Holy Spirit was not given to us to defeat the devil. Jesus already defeated him. The Holy Spirit has been given to us so we can defeat ourselves. The Holy Spirit comes alongside you so you can put your flesh down. So you can quit producing the actions and the lifestyle and the things that you used to produce before you came into the kingdom. Salvation is not the finish line. It's the starting line. You're just getting started. When you come into the kingdom, when you, when you say that prayer, I'm just getting started in this thing. I'm just getting started in this adventure and this endeavor to seek God and to know who he's created me to be and why he's placed me on this earth. Jesus already beat the devil. He's already defeated. He's already under our feet. Ephesians talks about it. We've been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father, being given authority and power and dominion in this life. That's us. The thing that we have to battle with is ourselves. The thing that we are constantly having to put down is our flesh and our desires and producing the things that are contrary to the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit has come alongside us so we can do what Galatians chapter 5 says. Walk in the Spirit so you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Live If you live in the Spirit, go ahead and walk in the Spirit. Amen. This is what's got to be important to us, guys. This is what's got to be valuable. This is what we've got to seek after and desire when we are... Uh, learning about the Holy Spirit and who he is and what he has to offer. He has so much to offer us. He has so much for us. He has so many things for us, guys. And we live day to day and we don't recognize and we don't value and we don't see it. But the Holy Spirit has come alongside you as your helper. It's not up to you to figure out how to put your flesh down. It's not your uh, responsibility all by yourself. Why would Jesus send a helper if we didn't need any help? 
just the fact that I have a helper tells me I can't do it alone. Just the fact that he calls him a helper and a comforter and a standby and an advocate tells me I need somebody else in my life. I need the Holy Spirit. I need his power. I need his presence, but I need his relationship. I need who he is, not just what he does. Father, we thank you this morning. Father, I thank you as we continue to be introduced to the Holy Spirit and who he is and develop, cultivate that relationship. Father, I thank you that we will begin to place a greater value on his role in our life. Because of knowing who he is, we have a better expectation of what he does. And Father, for all of us in this room today, citizens in the kingdom of God, Father, I thank you that we have the ability to produce kingdom fruit. We have the ability to live according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. Father, we know that a life in the flesh brings death. It brings separation. But a life in the spirit brings peace. It brings peace. It brings the results that we know come from the kingdom of God. So, Father, as we continue to give more attention to your Holy Spirit, to the power, and to the person, I thank you that the fruit will begin to align with the kingdom of God. The fruit on the outside will align with the new seed on the inside. I thank you that we will allow this to take place in our lives. I thank you that we will be the church, be the body of Christ. Not just because of what we say, not just because of where we go or what we do on Sundays, but because of who we are as a result of the Holy Spirit inside of us. We thank you for this this morning. I thank you for every person here as we continue to study and to meditate on this. Open up our minds, open up our hearts, open up the scripture to us. Help us see it like we've never seen it before. And I thank you that you will receive all the glory. You'll receive all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.